As the healthcare industry continues to evolve, so does the role of nursing. Changes to nursing education today will help shape the role of the nurse of tomorrow. It's Tuesday, December 26th, and this is OHSC Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. In the final of a three-part series on nursing, I continue my conversation with Susan Bakewell-Sachs, Vice President for Nursing Affairs and Dean of the School of Nursing, and Dana Bjornsson, Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer of OHSU Healthcare and Associate Dean for Clinical Affairs in the School of Nursing. As healthcare is changing, there's been a lot of focus on, you know, moving patients to the ambulatory setting and, and what's what's the role of nurses in the future in that in that realm? Oh man, it is burgeoning. Um, and I think it is one of the big challenges that we're facing now. I think the School of Nursing is meeting that challenge by starting to place more students and recognizing that this is the future of nursing, is in the ambulatory setting, and that we need highly prepared, well-educated people managing those patients particularly important because we tend not to have as many nurses in the clinical setting. So it, um, they, they are much more autonomous and therefore need to have a deep and broad understanding of what's going on with the patient and what their um, relationship vis-a-vis the patient's health is. But I'll let Susan talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, one of the, um, a major aspect of, uh, of healthcare in the United States is that we primarily focus on on when people are sick. Countries, other countries, where they have lower costs, part of why they have lower costs is because they focus on something called social determinants of health. So what are the kinds of things that place someone at additional risk for developing a chronic condition? Uh, what are the things that might impede their ability to seek care? Uh, to have a primary care provider to or a, or a health care home. And those have to do with socioeconomic uh, realities. They have to do with, you know, is someone uh, having trouble eating and getting food? Um, are they, do they have transportation? Are they isolated in some way? Do they have mobility issues? Um, is there a language barrier? So this, this individuals can be anywhere, uh, outpatient, uh, the community, um, uh, at home, and we're um, engaging students in uh, really learning about this. When I practiced in my early period as a, as a registered nurse, it really was about where the patient was and the site of care. Now, it can, the point of care can be anywhere, and when I think about the future of nursing and the, and the nurse of the future, we don't know where that point of care will be, but we know that we have to educate students now. So students in our current baccalaureate program, uh, who are in our current classes, they could, they could be nurses for 40 years. So we're educating now for the next several decades. Um, and when we think about the undergraduate students, the graduate students, so advanced practice nurses, um, nurse educators, um, uh, organizational leaders, um, uh, nurses who will have doctorates of nursing practice or nurses who will have PhDs, we're really thinking about that the future we can't predict, but we do know that wherever that point of, of touch is or care is, that we need to produce graduates who have current knowledge, know how to continue to learn and, and gain additional knowledge, and be able to operate in, in literally uh, in any of those um, environments. Why is it that 
as a country where we haven't been as good at kind of addressing the, the social determinants of health? That's a big question, Patrick, uh, and lots and lots of reasons. Uh, I, I think it really has to do with how we've evolved. You know, the the alternative of that and the the flip side of that is that we have the we have the highest quality and the and the most advanced medical care of any country in the world. So we've we've really focused on um, wanting to cure um, disease, um, and that's a really noble uh, focus. The reality is that we now know that if we can prevent, um, that that's really going to be uh, very, very important as well. And um, and so, uh, and I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner by training, so I really want children to be well. And if children can be well, they have a much better chance of being healthier as adults. Uh, and and so that those social determinants of health. And, and really at that, at that community level is something that we're all learning a lot more about and the importance of that focus. When Dana mentioned, um, you know, the transitions in care, um, we move, you know, individuals move to be cared for where their risk, their level of risk, their level of acuity of illness or the, you know, the, the complexity of that illness phase, we try to match that care with, with what they need right now. Um, and think that's, again, in part to have alignment and the right providers, et cetera. It's also to, to not make it more expensive than it needs to be. Um, and so that, um, that ability to, um, to reduce gaps in care, to coordinate, not have redundancies, to align the risk with um, where the individual needs are is all part of that um, recognizing that spectrum. But if we can keep them out of the hospital as much as possible, which is where the most expensive, most skilled care is, that's a good thing for them and it's a good thing for the health system. Yeah, my perspective, I think part of it is, and when you look internationally, you know, uh, in in the United States, healthcare is a commodity, and um, many other countries it is not, and so they have had a um, probably a step up in terms of being interested in prevention. Uh, because they have been more interested in reducing the cost of care. I think we see that in the United States now, that's an absolute reality. We have to keep health care affordable, and it can't keep escalating. Uh, otherwise, we put ourselves out of reach of the people who uh, need us the most. And so I think there is a big focus on how we can reduce costs and how we can use prevention. But, you know, unfortunately, again, a reality for us is that in the past, we have um, actually profited from patients who are sick and who get sicker. Uh, When we started looking at value-based care and paying for high quality and outcomes and having patients not get sicker when they're in our care, um, we started seeing that there are real interventions that we can do that can help pay, keep patients safer, help them have a high quality outcome, and discharge much, much quickly, more quickly, and not come back to the hospital. So I think we're learning a lot, and we're changing a lot, and I think it's all good. Are there ways that uh, nurses 
can contribute to that, you know, keeping healthcare affordable. I know that one thing that I hear just as recently as a few weeks ago, um, you know, talking about, well, actually I hear it all the time of nurses working at the top of their license and, and, um, you know, how does the kind of cost of nursing care compared to maybe, you know, cost of physician care and, and what role does nurses play in keeping healthcare affordable? Yeah. Well, I think in many ways, certainly you can start with a direct care clinical nurse in the hospital. We want them to work at the top of their license. And, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty sure and committed to the fact that our nurses at OHSU do. Um, And it's because our patients need that. But we need to not have them doing work that doesn't require the knowledge, skills and abilities that they have. And, uh, and again, I think we have a lot of support personnel in our organization that help us to do that. And that comes in the form of a health unit coordinator who manages the paperwork, the, the transportation. Uh, we have people who deliver food to the patients at the bedside. We have staff who are trained to uh, take blood from our uncomplicated patients, freeing the nurse up to do the things that take her knowledge and critical thinking and judgment in order to do. The other side of that is the advent of the autonomy in the United States and certainly um, well recognized in Oregon for the advanced practice registered nurse who I think is moving in at OHSU into many more complex areas than we ever had envisioned when advanced practice nursing first came into um, you know, a fruition and we started seeing the importance of uh, them in primary care. But we have services who have shown significant decreases in length of stay, in the uh, number of lab laboratory tests that are ordered, uh, the number of x-rays and imaging that is done. And these are largely led by advanced practice registered nurses who are there every day. We have to recognize that we are a teaching institute. And so our organization is full of learners. And when we've got people who come to work every day, see the same kinds of patients every day, work with those patients and know those patients and what they need, we can actually not only enhance the patient care, but we can enhance the learning uh, environment as well. What would you say is the um, advantage for a patient of being in that environment as opposed to uh, maybe a community hospital where there isn't that academic or research component? Yeah. Actually, the interesting thing about that question is there is a great need for community hospitals. Uh, OHSU, because of the level of the um, uh, the credentials of the people who work here, we can provide tertiary and quaternary care, and we have the supplies, and we have the equipment, we have the resources to provide tertiary and quaternary care. Uh, many patients um, don't need that level of care, and they are actually much better served by a community hospital, particularly when that community hospital is closer to their family and friends. We all know how important it is to have social connections when you're ill, and we know that it uh, at OHSU, 50% of our patients come from outside the metro area, which means that the more we can move them back to their community, the closer they are to those social networks, the closer they are to the people who will be taking care of them when they're discharged from the hospital. So great need for community hospitals for people who have a less complex care, great need for academic medical centers like OHSU for people who need tertiary and quaternary care. Dana, why did you go into nursing? 
Interestingly, it wasn't a uh, lifelong passion that drove me to become a nurse. I um, was in college, and I had been studying to become an archaeologist. And all of a sudden, I woke up one day, and I thought, what am I going to do? What kind of a career can I make as an archaeologist? And I saw myself sitting in a field with a hammer, and I didn't, it didn't just ring for me. And so I went to a college counselor, and he gave me a large binder that had all these different opportunities in it. And the one that appealed to me most was the Vancouver General Hospital School of Nursing, which was one of the diploma programs that uh, Susan mentioned. It no longer is a school. It's now associated with a, um, with a baccalaureate program at the University of British Columbia. And it was amazing. My tuition was like $125 a year. I got my books, I got my meals, I got my board, and they paid me $63 a month to be a student nurse. So for three years, I lived with 300 other nurses in a dormitory in downtown Vancouver. And it was pure serendipity for me. I mean, to have thought that I picked my career from a book and to have found a career that I love that has taken me to where it is, ah, couldn't be happier. I get up every morning. I want to come to work. I leave at the end of the day uh, happy that I was there, I, even though the work is hard. It's fulfilling. It's enriching. Um, it's full of relationships and collaboration and opportunities for communication and opportunities to uh, to make change and to make healthcare better. Susan, how about you? So some of it was uh, the exposure that I had. I grew up in a, um, in a healthcare family, so to speak. Uh, my mother was a baccalaureate um, prepared nurse, graduated in 1954. Uh, my father was a physician. My grandmother was a nurse. Uh, and, so there, and, and my grandfather was a physician. Uh, so uh, some of it was that exposure, and uh, my mother was very proud of uh, being a nurse. She was a public health nurse, and so she talked a lot about that. That was certainly um, a major influence for me. Uh, my parents were um, uh, very supportive of me having a career. They didn't necessarily see broad opportunity um, uh, because I was a woman. Uh, I grew up in a very traditional family. Uh, but, my, uh, but my mom really convinced me that, um, that I could have a career in nursing. And, uh, and she, had, she worked and took time off, worked, took time off. So she saw that flexibility as being important as well. Uh, for me, um, as soon as I um, entered my um, my program, I was convinced I was in the right place, uh, and and uh, and I had great opportunities um, uh, in nursing clinically and in uh, my education. By the time I finished my PhD, my father was really convinced that. I was going to have a long career in nursing, um, and that and that the investment that that he made in my college education was the right one. Uh, and for me, I feel so much um, uh, like uh, Dana in in terms of how wonderful a career this has been. I have um, exceeded my initial um, vision of what my career would be in many ways. Um, I love the collaboration. I love the opportunity to make a difference. We have a, a leader in nursing. Her name is Beverly Malone, and Beverly, she currently is the um, uh, executive director of the National League for Nursing. She's also been the head of the um, of the Royal Academy of Nursing in uh, in London. 
And Beverly calls nursing the gold card. And she calls it the gold card because there are so many opportunities that, um, that nurses have uh, in a full career. And I think that hits the nail on the head for me, too. Well, thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was edited by Josh Anderson and produced by Christy Richardson, Zaborowski, and myself. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.